Oh, it is so good to be together. Just the, the sense of the presence of God. If you're online, I pray that this somehow translates, but that, that was, you guys took the roof off. That was good going. You're almost as good as the 815 service, but uh, uh, you, were, you were so great. You know, the, this series kicking off, and I'll tell you where it came from in a moment, but I want you to think about that person who was catalytic to you coming to faith. I, I, I was telling the early service about it. I, was, I came from Zim to Maritzburg to do varsity. And uh, I came in on a bus, arrived late at night, and uh, I, I didn't know how I was going to get to the next spot. Anyway, I, I found a taxi. Another guy jumps into the taxi with me, and a colored gentleman, and, and we're driving along. And he jumps in, and he just goes for it. He just preaches the gospel at me, not to me, at me. He just lays into me with Jesus this, you need Jesus in your life. He just goes for it. And then he says, and you are called by God, and God has a plan for your life. The taxi stops, he pays his thing, he gets out, I never see the man again. His words haunted me for 12 months. He haunted me until I got saved. There is someone who's catalytic in your life. And so we, we decided we're going to start this series, but here's where it came from. Every now and again, when I'm preaching, I say something that's actually quite good, and I think to myself, man, that was quite good. Where did that come from? And, and as soon as that happens, I, I want to dive in a little bit deeper. And so I was preaching that other week about, um, about God's plan for your life, and what I said to the people, and, and this really stuck home in the evening, is I said, when most people think about what God's plan for the, their lives is, they think three things. They think, who should I marry? and the younger you are, the more important that is, then they, they think, um, where shall I live, and what shall I do? The, and the thinking is this, if God really, really loves me, then he has a perfect spouse for me who's going to meet all my needs, and, and, yeah. and then there's, there's God, if God really, really loves me, then he's going to give me this job that's going to fulfill my passions, and going to work is just going to be easy. I'm never going to not want to go to work, because if God loves me, he's got that perfect job for me. And if, if God loves me, he's got this place that's just going to be the perfect lifestyle and comfort. And when you're young, you think that that's another country. And then as you get older, you ask God if it's Durban North, Mshlanga, or Belito. That's kind of what, what happens in this journey. And, and as people think about that, I... I often sit to them and I break down their thinking. I hurt them. It's, it's deeply enjoyable for me. But I, I, I basically, I say this, especially when it comes to who I marry, I say that, you know, when you look at the Bible about who you should marry, I know there's some people probably here who believe that God has one person for you. But, but when you look at the Bible, there are only three people who had a one person. The first was Adam. There was only one other woman. That was kind of a no-brainer. The, the second was Hosea. He got told, there is one woman for you, she's a prostitute. There was a, there was a third, it was, it was like a maybe, it was a, it was a hookup between Rebecca and Isaac, and, and that was kind of done through a th- third party. But everywhere else in the Bible, God says, go and choose for yourself wives. I think because God wants you to take responsibility for your marriage, and he believes he can give you what you need to make it great. Secondly... We, when we think about jobs, you know, the Bible says two main things about jobs. It says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, for the glory of God. That's the first thing. So you want to enjoy your, God, or your, your job? Do it as unto the Lord. It is going to suck some days. Do it as unto the Lord. 
and you will get the reward that you actually need, not the reward that you think you need. First point. Second thing it says, if you're a thief, stop stealing, go get a job, and pay for some other people. This is, this is what Scripture says. It's, it doesn't say you should do this specific job, that specific job. But what it does say that is specific is where God places you. Now, when we think where God's going to place us, we kind of think God is going to place us in a certain place so that I can surf every day, kite surf every afternoon, and thank you, Jesus. And uh, he's, he's going to make it delightful for you. But when you look, God is really specific on this one. When you look at where God sends people, it's always to achieve these four things. So I've got this, my box and my circles. The box, God's plan for your life, is that you become like Jesus, that you build the church, you make disciples, and you bring the kingdom. The bring the kingdom is bringing order where there's chaos, bringing life where there's death, bringing just in every single environment. You've got a funky work culture, bring the kingdom. You've got an ugly street, bring the kingdom. Make it clean, bring the spiritual kingdom. Just change stuff. That is God's plan for your life, that box. And if you're if your eyes are only on the three circles, you will often land up with the three circles outside of the box. The place that God works is in the box. So anyway, I'm preaching away, hurting the evening crowd, and the lady comes up to me and she says, Ross, what's the difference between building the church and making disciples? And so I explained to her, I said, building the church is all about exercising spiritual gifts, serving one another, loving one another. It's all the one another's. Making disciples is about getting people saved and helping them follow Jesus. And as I say that, the Spirit jumps onto me. I feel the Holy Spirit go, you need to preach on that. To which I thought, People don't want to go and do anything right now. I mean, let's face it. I have loved waking up in the morning, putting button-up shirts on, keeping my pajamas on. Like, it's just been, it's been fantastic. I, I, have, I have got lazy. I mean, I haven't had to do a wedding every weekend or a funeral every week. It's been delightful. I only go out once or twice a week, like it's, it's just at night, it's, it's just been this delight, and honestly, I'm comfortable, in fact, I'm really impressed with all of you for coming to church, it's good going, like you, you are comfortable at home, and, and the truth is, we've all gone through loss, everyone's lost something, we've all gone through a sense of pain and shifting and trying to get our heads around life, and honestly, we don't want to be told to go and do something else. I felt like God said to me, but my grace, can I have my box back? My grace is in the box. If you want to live in my life and energy and power, it's in the box. And so you need to speak to people about making disciples because grace exists there. And so today what I'm going to speak about is how easy this is. And uh, uh, I've called this Authentic Messenger, that, that next week we'll talk about a beautiful message, and on the last week we'll talk about living a provoking life. But today we're just going to talk about an authentic messenger. And the way I'm going to do this, sometimes you just talk about it all the time. Today I just want to show it to you, and then I'll speak about it. So uh, Lutz, Lutz and Rick went on a journey of Lutz leading him to the Lord. So watch this, and then I'll get back up and preach.
Basically, where it starts is like uh, when I moved to Durban, coming down from the South Coast for Chefs, and my life is starting as a rapper I'm with this like small town label where I'll get to like grow and possibly become like an influence in the music industry. And then what starts to happen is as I, I want to chase this career, as I want to chase this, this goal that I have, I start to let go of anything and everything that I knew about God. And I find myself just like empty and I'd look in the mirror and I, like, I literally wouldn't recognize the person that I'm looking at. And then this one time I was in the studio, I was recording and we're in the middle of the song, this, I hear this voice of God just going, um, come find me, like just, just come. And I just left the room and then I started running. Like I just knew that I had to speak to someone, I had to open up about what was going on in my heart. So in my head, I'm going, from what I've learned, I know that I need to speak to a pastor. So I'm looking for that person. And I'd seen all of you. I didn't like it. I went to another church. That was closed. So I went to a Scientology school. Something just told me that wasn't the place. So I moved up and I was walking up Florida Road, hopeless. And I start to see people outside Florida Road, uh, the olive, olive tree, Florida Road. And I just get this, like, just just give, give it a shot. Just go in. A buzz and this guy is like, Hey, like so casual, and I'm like, I'm looking for the pastor. He's like, uh, yeah, well, he's not around, and I'm like, oh. and then as I say that, he's like, yo, yo, no, wait, I'm the pastor, come in. And so I came to speak to him, and I was like, yeah, bro, what's up? Like, how can I help you? And he just had like this urgency and desperation. He was like pleading with me, basically, like, please, I need to speak to a pastor. I sort of turned to look for a pastor. Within a second or two, I just, I sort of decided that, well, I'm gonna see what I can do, and, and so. We found a quiet place and we started speaking. We get in, we have a chat, and I think what stuck out for me from what he said was that Jesus loves me and his love never fails. And so my answer to everything was like love. I didn't have a lot of theology to, to give him. And so I just told him the story of Jesus, basically. His sacrifice for us and like what that meant. And so that stuck out to me and I was holding on to that. The journey over the next few weeks is that I told him about stuff that was happening. Uh, at the church and he would call me and go like we have something going on I went to young adults I was probably too young for that at the time basically all we did was we just kept inviting him to stuff and he kept like he was just so hungry and desperate that he just kept coming back and eventually we were we weren't just hanging out like in church we also hang out outside of church to see people bring Christ into like normal everyday life that was like inspiring and I thought I've been missing out and I want this. He had that season of like absorbing any, everything, just taking it all in. And then he's like started to go on a journey of just like finding his individual identity, finding his own voice. But there was also like a lot of intentionality going, uh, we want this guy to feel loved, to feel like he can make this place a home. Just the journey with worship as well was uh, such a unique one. God clearly spoke to me about like worship and all of that. He just went, you here, I place you here. I want you to know that you're the right person for this. I just trusted him. I went, if you really want me to do this, I'll do it. And like my voice just like literally opened up. And yeah, then things start to happen. And every time you see, like, you see him get to express it up here, it's like, um, like you can't help but be proud. It was re just really beautiful to like, yeah, be a part of that picture. Still is. <laughs> when you see someone's journey like that closely, um, and their patience in the journey, like it feels like a like a, a Muhammad Ali knockout moment when they uh, when you see them like exercising their their gifting. 
I've come to believe in discipleship as doing life together, uh, finding the teachable moments and then learning from them. Wasn't that cool? Don't you love how good the videos are? I love how well our team is capturing stuff. So some of what I love about there is Lutz going, I don't really have much theology, but Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. I love how powerful that can be. Um, I love Rex's hunger. But uh, I was thinking to myself, the thing that most people do when it comes to going out and seeking and save the lost, going out and making disciples, they disqualify themselves. So I thought to myself, who are the most disqualifiable people in the Bible? And they're tax collectors. Because you think about a tax collector, I mean, nobody has ever liked tax collectors. Tax collectors and traffic policemen, like, same but different. Just, just knowing, oh, sorry, I've got them both in the congregation. I'm just loving this. Uh, but n- nobody has ever liked them. We like you, the others. Uh, <laughs> but especially in those days, because what would happen is that the tax collectors of those days would take from they'd take the taxes for the Romans and they'd take their cut. So they were getting enriched over their friends. They were choosing... They were choosing capitalism over patriotism. They were choosing uh, wealth over loyalty. They were, they were choosing stuff over people. And, and so they're caught in this space of selfishness. And Jesus comes to a tax collector, this scum of the earth. Jesus comes to the scumbag, and this is what happens. In Matthew 9, verse 9, it says, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in his house, he goes to his house for dinner. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Now, what are, what's interesting about Matthew? He's successful. He's got lots of money. And he's powerful. So success or, or having lots of money gives you lots of opportunity. Power gives you influence. So he knows people in high places. He's, he's powerful. So what that means is people talk about him, but not to him. However, he's got lots of friends. So he's successful. He's powerful. He has a whole bunch of sinning friends. But, but, there's always a but. He's good looking, but. She's a high earner, but. They're a power couple, but. There's always a but. It's wonderful. It's the equalizer of all humanity. Everyone has a but. You've got a but, I've got a but, there's a but. And here's why. Yeah, I know, you're loving your but. Uh, Here's what's going on. The but in our lives makes us susceptible to the gospel. There is not a single person on this planet who doesn't have something that needs fixing. Which means that there is not a single person, even if they give you the... I mean, I've had people tell me, when I've spoken to them about Jesus, tell me to go away with stronger language, and I've had people say, not for today, thank you very much. I've had the whole spectrum, but here's what I know. There's a but. 
When you start speaking to people about Jesus, there's something that's getting hooked, and we know it from Matthew because he's sitting at the tax collector's booth, and then Jesus says, come follow me, and he gets out and he follows him. It means there's a but. What you don't understand, or we don't understand, is why Jesus chooses Matthew. We understand why Matthew chooses Jesus, but why does Jesus choose Matthew? Because if you think about it, Matthew is in his greed. It's not like he's got out of his greed. He's in his greed. He's in his sin cycle. He's utterly hopeless. He's bad for Jesus' reputation. And in terms of changing the world, he would seem like the worst candidate possible. So why does Jesus choose Matthew? You know, when I was younger, I used to believe that because God can see into our hearts, that Jesus had like this ninja ability to look into people's character and go, you're going to be fantastic. Everybody missed you, but I see you. That's how I used to think. And I don't think that Jesus can't do that, but I don't think that was what was going on. I think that though this world scouts for talent the whole time, though we're looking for the best of the best, Jesus didn't go for the best of the best because he knew the gospel had the power to change the worst of the worst. You see, we're always looking for the most gifted, and we disqualify ourselves if we're not the most gifted, but you don't understand that Jesus is the gift. In fact, you being less gifted actually often helps people look at the gift. When you're really, really gifted, sometimes people think, yeah, maybe a bit of Jesus, but it's mostly him or her. But with some of us, people look at us and go, it's definitely Jesus. That's where you want to be. See, Jesus chooses people to follow him. And, and here's what you maybe don't know about Jesus. There are people that Jesus disqualifies from following him. Let me, let me prove this to you. It says, and when the Pharisees saw this, Jesus sitting and eating with, with Matthew and his mates, they said to his disciple, why does your disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came to call the right, not, sorry, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. In the Amplified Bible, it says this, for I did not come to call to repentance the self-proclaimed righteous who see no need to change, but sinners, those who recognize their sin and actively seek forgiveness. Here's point number one. If you want to be used by God, you have to be honest about your need for him. Jesus disqualifies people who say they don't need him. I remember when I was a youth pastor. When you're a youth pastor, your goal is to get as many kids in as many schools saved as possible. Because after 18, they start jawling, they go away from God. So you want to get them saved by 18, you know that at 24, they're coming back. That was the plan. If not 24, they'll have a baby, they'll come back. If not there, they'll, they'll have marriage difficulty, they'll come back. So you got to get them by 18. So I used every single means possible. In fact, I'm glad I'm not part of that old church because if they knew the things I did to get people saved, 
I wouldn't be working for them anymore. But anyway, I, I remember I would go to, to the guys and I'd go, we have such beautiful girls. Go tell your mates to come for the beautiful girls. And then I'd go to the girls and I'd say, we've got such good looking guys. Go get your friends. Let's come. And I'd put, I, I, I'd do like gigs with punk rocking guys so that I could get the musos. And I'd do gigs with with the jocks, I'd do like touch rugby and all kinds of competitions to get them, and then I'd preach the gospel. And it was terrifying. Because what I would end up doing is I would, I would say to them, okay, bring all your friends, and then we'd have this touch rugby competition. I'd get the Natal refs to help out, and it was like make a big thing, and then you'd have hundreds of teenagers. And you know the most intimidating human on the planet? It's a teenager. Yeah, some of you got kids, you're just going like... It's just, uh, you, there's some teenagers in here. You acts are just hectic. And, and here's what happens. They're just, they're fighting with their own world, and, and you are very uncool. And so I was, I was walking up to speak, and I just thought to myself, I'm dead. I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Because I am so uncool right now. Like, uh, there are levels of being uncool, and I was at the ultimate. And I just, I realized, I need to tell them why I need Jesus. And so I got up and I started speaking to them. I said, you know, I'm a civil engineer and I've played pretty good sport along the line. And uh, there's so many areas in my life that are good. But I'm as insecure as you. Now you can tell a teenager that because they all know. We're insecure. You're right. And when I don't have Jesus, I feel weak. But when I feel his presence on my life, I feel strong. And when, when I'm alone without Jesus, I feel an empty, deathly sense of loneliness. But when he is with me, I feel a deep sense of comfort. I spoke for like five minutes. Then I said, does anyone want to give their lives to Jesus and just hands everywhere? You see, Jesus is looking for people who need him desperately. And if you can tell others how much you need him, they'll start to understand that they need him too. Authentic Christianity starts with going, man, do I need Jesus. That's the first tax collector story. There's a second tax collector story. Jesus having a chat. There's some Pharisees in the room. Jesus liked to hurt the Pharisees. And, and so they, he's kind of going, okay, let's see what we can do here. And this comes from Luke 18. And, and he says, two guys go to have a prayer together. It sounds like a joke. Two guys going to the temple. And then he says, and the Pharisee gets up and he prays first. And this is what he prays. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Thank you, God, that I'm not like Tim. This is basically how it goes. Extortioners. Sorry, Tim. Unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, in fact, there's some people right now in here, and you are struggling to lift up your eyes to heaven. You're beating your breast going, God, I don't deserve anything. And I want you to hear these words. It says, he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you this, Jesus said, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other one. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. If you want to be used by God, you've got to be humble. Now, here's why this is a big deal. Do you know how much time people give to taking photos? 
right angle, don't get the gray, make sure the nose, good, good angle, make sure right, I mean, if you look at fails, Instagram picture fails, like you see people falling off cliffs and off water, like you see people going to the end of the world to take a good photo. Why do we do that? Why, why do we make sure that you, you don't get my fat roll, you do, like I'm wearing the right clothes? What, why? Because we're trying to convince someone, mostly ourselves, that our lives are worth living, that you want to be like me, that I want to like me. You know what drives that? Pride. Pride drives that. You know what Jesus says about pride? It doesn't work so well for you. If you want to be used by God, you can't have it. He needs humility. Let me show you how this works. I went to the States about 10 years ago, and I was sitting in this conference. The last speaker, now you're kind of tired because it was like seven days, full-on conferences. The last speaker, his name's Gordon MacDonald. He must have been in his late 70s, maybe 80s. He walks up there, and he starts speaking. He says, I started a church back when he was in his 20s. It was the first church in America to get to 1,000 people. And he said, and everything was exploding around me. I was writing books. And, uh, and then I had an affair. And I lost my ministry. And I almost lost my wife. And everything started to break. And God took me on a journey. And I, I met the Father's heart. Now, I'm in a room full of 100 pastors, most of them older than me. And I looked around three minutes into his talk, and, and I just saw that guy sobbing, that guy sobbing. These were grown men, that guy sobbing, that guy sobbing. I just watched people started to cry. It wasn't anything profound he'd said. It was just that he had been so humbled, and he'd humbled himself so much that God had anointed him and lifted him up so darn high that he just spoke his story, and grown men wept. You want to you be used by God? You want to make disciples? Just be honest about how much you need Jesus. And just be really, really humble. Because what's going to happen is God's going to lift you up. And people are going to feel stuff. They don't even understand why they're feeling. They're going to feel stuff and they're going to go, something's happening here. It's the gospel. Now let me tell you a third story. If you want to be authentic, if you want to make disciples, one, be honest about your need. Two, be humble. Number three, get to where Jesus is. So there's a, a last story about Zacchaeus, short guy in the Bible. Luke 19, you can find him. Zacchaeus is, again, he's a chief tax collector. So he's like the head of Metro. And, uh, and uh, anyway, this is going to be an expensive, expensive sermon. He, he has a lot of power and a lot of influence except over Jesus. And so he can't get to the crowd. He can't see over the crowd. He can't get to Jesus. So this is what he does. He sees which way Jesus is going. He runs ahead and he climbs a tree. Now, that might not be profound to you, but I'll tell you why it's profound to me. Because every single person in this world is learning how to use stuff to serve them. 
Use my phone to serve me. Use people sometimes to serve me. And we want to use God to serve us. But Zacchaeus goes, no, 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 no. I need to get where God's going, not try and make God get where I'm going into my business, into my marriage, into my stuff. I'm going to shift my life and make my life about where Jesus is at, not try and get Jesus to come where I'm at. We live in a Christian culture that tries to make God exist for their glory. And God, by his design, cannot do that. He cannot live for your glory. He can only live for his own glory. And so when you try to do that, you, you actually find God resisting you. It says this. Zacchaeus stood, because Jesus says, I'm coming to chart your house. And Zacchaeus stood in the tree and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, you're poor. And self, no, he said, Today, salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. If you want the power of God, if you want the life of God, if you want God working on your behalf, make your life about where he's going to seek and save the lost. Friends, there are so many people, and you're in pain for good reasons. Jesus' antidote to your pain is come be about what I'm about. I'll help you with it along the way. Come make some disciples. I'll help you deal with your stuff as we go. But I'm going that way. So come. Anticipate where I'm going to be and come. This is what I'm about. So over the next three weeks, we're going to make us and our lives about what his life is about. And I know it jars. I can't wait to go home and play with my kids. But I have to go home and play with my kids and talk to them about their friends who are not saved and write down a list of people who I want to come to faith. And I have to go, God, you've got a message that is big enough that it can use a person like me to reach people who you need. And so my prayer for you over this next three weeks is one, you'll keep coming back to church because it rocks. It's very cool being in here. If you're online, you can, if you can't, sorry, but if you can, come, come to church. But go make disciples. People have never needed someone to tell them about Jesus like they need it right now. They need it. Go, be an authentic Christian. Make disciples. So let's stand. I'm going to pray for you. Now, actually, I felt this during worship. I felt like a new day. I could draw a line in the sand. And, uh, and uh, here's the new day for me. Let's, let's try and make everything about Jesus and not us. Let's, let's just, as a church, as a people... And so, Lord Jesus, as we come to you today, Lord, we pledge ourselves to you. We say, God, make our lives about your mission. 
Lord, we, we pledge our work to you. We pledge our relationships to you. God, we pledge where we live to you. We, we put ourselves into the box. And God, will you come on us and fill us with boldness and grace and energy and put names in our, in our heads, put words in our mouths and use us to build your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. So great being with you. Have a fantastic Sunday. Join us for coffee with your mask. God bless.